Uh, so if you could introduce yourself and the work that you do, and then we'll get into some questions. Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm Chris Goldsmith, CEO and founder of Task Force Butler Institute. We are a nonprofit veteran, veterans organization. Uh, we train veterans how to engage in open source intelligence research so that we can uh, unmask and uncover you know, neo-Nazis and other extremists in the U.S., uh, and specifically to we seek to impose legal, social and economic costs on them. Um, this, you know, we we want to use every legal means to disincentivize bad behavior. It's very often, as I'm sure you will, where, you know, police will watch neo-Nazis commit violence literally right in front of them on the street and they just don't respond. So we want to gather evidence, provide courtroom ready documents uh, and make sure that those individuals get held responsible. Other than collecting documents, what about, uh, are there any social costs? Can you explain what, what would that be like getting, like getting in their face, yelling at them, get out of here or. <laughs> no, <fuck> <laughs> oh man, my days of, of marching around in the street with a fucking Mohawk and a sign are, are about 15 years past. Okay. Um, I, I mean, literally that, that, that was me. Uh, I, I was part of the anti-war movement in like 2008, um, and became extremely disillusioned with that kind of organizing. Mm. Um, what I, I, you know, I acknowledge that there, a diversity of tactics is important and, you know, people want to get out in the street and yell and scream. That makes them feel better. That's okay. Um, but I'm looking for systemic change. And the way that we get systemic change is my background is in veteran advocacy. So it used to be like veteran healthcare, GI bill, that type of stuff. Right. So I'm thinking big, big picture, like moving federal departments and policy nationwide. So the key to changing policies or anything on a national level is, is gathering evidence and, and doing, um, doing the research to establish that this is a problem and then presenting the solution and so show that the solution is possible. So in our case, what we are doing is we're infiltrating uh, extremist organizations. 99.9% .9 of it's online, some of it's in person. Um, and we just document what they're putting out there. You know, the evidence, what a video that they brag about, like, hey, look, I beat up this guy. Like, here's the video of me beating this guy up. Like, that is evidence that can be, you know, used to prosecute someone. So most of what we do is simply just gather stuff that these fascists are putting on the internet themselves hmm. and put it in, you know, a neat little packet uh, for police, prosecutors, investigators, uh, and, you know, civil plaintiffs in some cases. And and in your experience, how effective is it when you deliver these packages to police? So what we do has long tails. And I don't expect, you know, uh, I wrote a, a task force Butler wrote a 200 plus page report on Patriot Front, uh, analyzing three different conspiracies to commit violence uh, in Philadelphia, Boston, Coeur d'Alene. Um, Coeur d'Alene's where they all got arrested and they got a lot of press, right? But they also, Independence Day weekend last year and the year before, they marched through 
you know, sought out a black guy, assaulted him with weapons, and then got away scot-free, even though cops witnessed the assault. Um, what we do is is we identify those masked individuals. We put into plain language, like, this is how the conspiracy happened. Mm. This wasn't happenstance. This wasn't just a chance encounter. Like, they were looking to do this. They have a, a pattern. Um, we don't expect the FBI or police to go wrapping people up. Because, I mean, that's been our experience, is that doesn't happen. <laughs> I look at this fight against neo-Nazis in the same way that I look at everything I fought for as a veteran advocate. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with veteran stuff, but uh, there are vets who get kicked out of the military with no access to health care. I spent 15 years working to change that. And over 15 years... I went from being told, no, that's impossible, get the fuck out, in every office, you know, on the Hill and, and around the Capitol, uh, to a secretary of VA announcing during a House Veterans Affairs hearing that he's going to start letting veterans with bad paper discharges in for PTSD treatment. Hmm. And that's that's a difference of billions of dollars. Wow. And like major, major movement in the second largest department in the United States. So when I do a report on Patriot Front and I issue it to law enforcement in September of 2022, I don't expect that to have an immediate result. But I think five years from now, I think that when these these guys go on to commit other crimes mm. and there's this evidence trail that we have provided to law enforcement consistently over the course of years, rather than go to jail for a misdemeanor, they might get upgraded charges because it, mm. it shows a pattern of activity. Right. Mm. So, so you're providing ammunition for the prosecutors in the future. Yeah. And right. civil plaintiffs. Mm. So the first thing, the first consequence that uh, Patriot Front faced, aside from like us making it very clear every time we infiltrate them, like I, you know, basically wave and say, hi, I'm here. I'm in your fucking servers. You uh So anyway, uh, the first result was the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law filed a suit against Patriot Front in Virginia for a conspiracy to uh, destroy um, murals that depict black excellence and heroes of, of the black community. Um, our writings helped explain when there's what Patriot Front report uh, refers to as a high profile target mm -hmm. that they coordinate up with the national leader, Thomas Rousseau. And like they schedule phone calls, they have a like a written plan of like, this is how you, you know, infiltrate, this is how you exfiltrate, this is the, you know, we have training videos, we explain like, this is how they train to do a mural cover up. So it's not just the crime that happens, there's a conspiracy element to it. Um, so while law enforcement yeah. may say, ah, go fuck it, it's too hard, it's white people, we can't prosecute white people, civil plaintiffs aren't held back by that. Mm, right, of course. So in your view, who would you identify as the major groups, either because of their size, their degree of radicalism, or their influence, political influence or otherwise? So our targeting is largely limited by our size. Mm -hmm. So like as much as I would love to be like, we're going to take out the Proud Boys, the Proud Boys are 
actually a thousand different groups hmm. like spread across the US. They all have different leaders, they have different cultures, they have different, you know, their members might be active for a year and then they're out. It would be impossible for an organization of 30 volunteers to to take out the Proud Boys. Um, what we do is we target organizations that are um, that we can get our arms around like completely like we can identify a few dozen a few score members uh, we can tie them to specific criminal activity um, and the, the focus is criminal activity right like going out and yelling at people and being mean and being dickheads is, is not a crime what we're focused on is violence um, so you know, Patriot Front is an organization that before Task Force Butler ever existed, I had been infiltrating it kind of as a hobby before this became my job. So I was very familiar with it. So that that's where we started. Uh, what led us to NSC 131 was when we provided to Massachusetts law enforcement uh, our Patriot Front report, they were, they were, you know, didn't just receive it. We had several meetings and every meeting ended with, Okay, that's nice. What about Patriot Front? Or excuse me. Okay, that's nice. What about NSC one three one? So we went to NSC one three one after Patriot Front and and gave Massachusetts Attorney General's office a three hundred and sixteen page answer to that question. So you know we knew that they were interested. Uh, it seemed like we could have an impact. So mm -hmm. that's that's what we spent our six months doing research on. Okay, so you so rather than go after the big fish, as it were, you're going after targets that you actually can bring down yourself or hope to, so more cost-effective use of your time. But but you must have a sense of, I'm just curious, you know, who are the big fish in your opinion? Who are the ones that are the most significant threat to American society? So I think the greatest threat to American society is, is stochastic terrorism. So it's, it's not Patriot Front going out and, you know, adding swords or rifles to their stupid fucking shields. It's them inspiring the Walmart shooter, hmm. right? Like it's their promotion of racism and the great replacement conspiracy theory that inspires some random guy to go out and shoot someone. So what's the most dangerous source of stochastic terrorism in the United States right now? Donald fucking Trump. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, the MAGA bomber, remember the MAGA bomber yeah, in Florida, yeah. living in a van, sending pipe bombs to, to CNN and to multiple you know government officials, other journalists. There was the FBI shooter, the guy, uh, what was it, Ohio, huh. who just like, you know, Trump was like, the FBI is fucking evil. And some American was like, I'm going to take my AR-15 and try and shoot federal agents, right? That is the concept of stochastic terrorism in action. There is no one in this country who has a bigger microphone right. and has a greater effect on people who are spontaneously led to violence. Hmm. I mean, Trump has been trying to do it with these indictments, you know, targeting prosecutors. And prosecutors are getting, like uh, District Attorney Bragg has been getting death threats. He got white powder and shit, which is, you know, not to kill anybody but it scares everybody it empties a building right that's all donald trump so mm. like is thomas rousseau of patriot front like really fucking dangerous is he radicalizing you know uh a few dozen 
kids, young men into neo-Nazis who are going to become part of this movement, yes. But in terms of immediate threat, it's Donald Trump placing targets on the back of Americans. That is the most dangerous threat in our country right now. But I can't fucking do anything about that. Right. Right. So like that is the biggest problem, but we can't, I can't do anything about that. Of course, yeah. Right. So Task Force Butler is focused on where we can make a difference. And where we can make a difference is the people who uh, are on the ground normalizing political violence, which is a synonym synonym for terrorism. The the statutory definition of domestic terrorism says in verbatim, uh, but it's violence, threats of violence and intimidation against against government entities and uh, people for the purposes of, of political ends, right? So when Patriot Front gets out and marches through Boston and seeks an opportunity to assault a black man, that is committing violence for the purpose of intimidating the black population because they want to create a white ethno state, right? right. When NSC 131 does the same thing all throughout New England pretty regularly, that meets the definition of terrorism. So my role as a um, as the leader of Task Force Butler, and you know, we as a group of veterans, is to help people understand that, like, it's not just brown people who speak other languages that commit terrorism. It's also white people who speak English and fly, you know, maybe upside down, maybe right side up, American flags. That is terrorism too. So, you know, we, I participated in what's known as the global war on terror or what was once called the global war on terror, right? What we're doing now here in the United States is I think very clearly, in my opinion, protecting Americans' rights and freedoms in ways that I never had the opportunity to when I went to Iraq for, you know, my nearly four years in the army. If you don't mind, I'll speak briefly on your military background. So I was born and raised in Long Island. Uh, September 11th happened when I was 16. It's about 20 miles from my house. I could see the smoke, you know, from my house. The wow. Twin Towers were on the beach until they weren't, wow. um, you know, on the, on the skyline at the beach. Um, though I didn't lose anybody uh, personally, most of my friends you know, seem to have somebody who was personally affected Their, you know, their mom or dad worked in the city and on wall street and were like right there when it happened. Right. So I wanted to serve my whole life and nine 11 just made it different. Right. Now I wanted revenge. Now there was a, what was becoming a clear enemy in, in Al Qaeda. Um, I went to Iraq, which had nothing to do with that, but anyway, um, so I signed, I graduated high school in 2003, uh, was in basic training by January of 2004, became a forward observer, which is um, the eyes of the artillery. So it's the person who goes with the infantry. If they get into trouble, you call for airstrikes, mortars, artillery, that kind of thing, indirect fire. Um, deployed to Iraq for the year of 2005, mostly in Sadr City, Baghdad, which is kind of like the slums of Baghdad. Mm-hmm. They had faced, you know, 20, 30 years of violence before we ever got there. Um, during the Iraq-Iran war, 
Saddam named it Saddam City so that the Iranians would would kill the Shias who live there. So it's is a place that had seen a lot of ugliness. And I came home um, having never done the job I was trained for and calling for fire. Instead, I had been a uh, this made up position. It's not a real job in the military, an on the ground intelligence reporter. So I basically became the photo documentation uh, uh, guy for my platoon. Went out on every mission, but for when I had uh, food poisoning for two days. Uh, so hundreds of missions without a break and came home, uh, having taken pictures of mass graves, um, messed up in ways that I didn't have the vocabulary to explain, hmm. let alone the ability to understand right. I mean, PTSD wasn't part of the American lexicon at that time, came home, super fucked up, uh, self-medicated with alcohol, just like everybody I served with did, you know, we didn't consider it self-medicating we considered it having fun um i eventually attempted suicide in 2007 after i had been stop lost and are you familiar with stop loss no it's like a backdoor draft so if you join the military they own you and if they need you they can just say you're not allowed to leave doesn't matter what your contract says so until when i until they're done with you so in my case, it was going to take a three and a half year contract and expend it, extend it to like five and a half, six years, uh, which when you're 18, when you join and you're planning on being 21, when you're out, like adding on another three years, like that's, that's a big change. So wow. pile that on top of PTSD that I couldn't get treatment for, uh, when I eventually did recognize someone's wrong and, and tried to get help wasn't available. So I attempted suicide, missed what would have been my second deployment, uh, and was kicked out and treated like a criminal for it. So, uh, lost access to my oh GI God. bill. And that experience is what turned me into veteran advocacy. So my, mm. my first big thing, what I described earlier was making sort of vets like me who, you know, deploy, get fucked up by war. Uh, are still able to get the help, even if, you know, they have a black mark on their record. Hmm. Well, it took 15 years, but we got it. So that's noble. Going back to this sort of ranking of these groups, I'm, I'm curious, uh, which ones stand out to you because they are, uh, because of the sophistication of their organization? you know, how, how intelligently they're operating, not necessarily limited to the ones that you're focused on, because as you said, you have a, you know, you're going after ones that you can take down, but just across the board, which ones do you think? Mm. So, so Patriot Front plays a unique role in the ecosystem. So mm -hmm. Patriot Front, first of all, is Vanguard America. Vanguard America is Patriot Front. Okay. Um, Thomas Rousseau, led Vanguard America at Charlottesville, a member of Vanguard America killed Heather Heyer and wounded dozens of, uh, of others when he ran his car into the thing. Thomas Rousseau took over the server called bloodandsoil.org, took that and stole it from the person who was then the leader of the official leader of Vanguard America. With it, took the members uh, and all of the other digital 
and financial assets and just painted it in red, white, and blue and named it Patriot Front. So Patriot Front is Vanguard America. Vanguard America is Patriot Front. They're still using Vanguard America's blood and soil server uh, still to this day, years later. The unique role that this particular organization plays in in the ecosystem is that it is the most cult-like in its requirements for membership and its recruiting, its requirements for membership and its radicalization of members. In order to join the organization, you already pretty much have to be a neo-Nazi, but being a, you know, a neo-Nazi radicalized by video games in your mom's basement uh, is different from being a neo-Nazi who actually gets out in the street and meets with other neo-Nazis. So the acceleration of someone's willingness to go from saying racist shit on Twitter and getting your account banned to showing up at an LGBTQ club and throwing a brick through the window. Like if you can, if you can get them marching, you can get them to throw that brick and you can get them to complete that murder. So Hmm. because Patriot Front is such a cult, when someone joins it, they have to make their entire life about the organization and serving their master, Thomas Rousseau. Um, if they aren't constantly active, if they aren't constantly like checking in and proving that they're going out and they're putting up their propaganda stickers and buying propaganda stickers from Rousseau and paying for his lifestyle um, and using the things that they're buying from the organization, they get kicked out. So in between the time that they join, realize it's a cult, either leave and get kicked out or stay, they've significantly radicalized. And if they end up leaving, uh, they've learned how to meet other neo-Nazis, how to engage in um, uh, hate crimes without getting caught, how to mask yourself on the internet, you know, how to uh, engage in a fear campaign, how to uh create and use propaganda so some of these former members of patriot front go off and create a whole new neo-nazi organization like uh nsc 131 started by chris hood a former patriot front member who now has is extraordinarily violent throughout all of new england um they are more likely to you know be able to start an active club which is today's iteration of the Rise Above movement, Robert Rundo, uh, which is very focused on physical fighting, um, you know, training in MMA and going out to protests and doing ground and pound against, you know, supposed Antifa or whoever else they're going to label as their political enemies. Mm. And the overall, like those secondary and tertiary effects of someone joining Patriot Front for a few months or a few weeks um that is overall i think nationwide the most uh significant contributor towards uh acceleration in the united states um, among fighting age males you mean that kind of structure or you mean specifically patriot front oh i mean specifically patriot front oh wow it only has like a few hundred members like not a few 200 or fewer members at any given time, but their burn rate on members is, is very high. So they're just spinning off these 
radicalized neo-Nazis who understand now how to organize. And then they go, so it's not that they're like dropping out because they realize it's a cult. It's that they're like, oh, I can, I can go start my own cell, essentially. Yeah, or they're dropping out not because it's a cult, but because they just don't get along with Thomas. And like Thomas controls every member's life, like micromanages it. Huh. Uh, so then they just go off and do their own thing. Are they uh, sophisticated? Would you, or are they, yeah, yes. are they, are yeah. they sophisticated in what they do in their operation? Or is it a little more, because when you describe it as a cult and you describe the, the, the obsessive micromanagement, to me, that sounds inefficient and a little sloppy. Yeah, I mean, nothing about Donald Trump is very efficient or neat, but he's a con artist, right? So mm -hmm. you don't use the same words to describe them, but they're effective mm -hmm. in what they're trying to do, right? So you don't need to be a good leader to lead an organization that can be incredibly damaging or, or you know, um, have a potential to lead to violence in the U.S. You can be a piece of shit. I mean, Hitler wasn't, I, I know, the first one to describe, uh, to, to make a reference to Hitler loses, but in the, we're talking about American neo-Nazis, right? Hitler was not a good leader. His people didn't trust him. They always thought they were going to get killed, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a good leader to be very fucking effective. Mm -hmm.